I became a Hindu and I, I was involved with this for 15 years from age 22 to 37. Michael Austin thought he had found a path to God until he realized he was actually in a cult. Then Michael became agnostic for many years, but that all changed when he received an extraordinary message. And I hear a voice. And the voice says to me, you better get right with me. You call me out of the grave. You call me into life. You call my name and then my heart came alive. You're listening to the final story in our summer series, In Search of Truth. It's part two of a two-part episode of GPS, God, People, Stories, an outreach of the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. I'm Phil Fleischman. My co-host, Jim Kirkland, is on vacation. Michael Austin followed his guru to India in hopes of finding meaning and peace. And on one of his trips to India, Billy Graham encountered a group of students just like Michael. They've been here studying at the feet of some guru, and they're going back disillusioned. Young people searching for something, anything to find peace and happiness in a world that seems to have gone mad and insane. You'll hear more from Billy Graham a little later in the episode as he explains that the only way to find true peace is through a relationship with Jesus Christ. You can learn more about that right now, though, by going to our website, findpeacewithgod.net, or call our 24-hour prayer line. The number is 888-388-2683. That's 888-388-2683. Both that number and the website are in the show notes. GPS. God. People. Stories. In part one of Michael Austin's story, he explained how he got involved in a Hindu meditation cult when he was 22 and living in New York City. No, I didn't call it a cult at the time, but as soon as I got out of it, I looked back and I recognized I was in a cult for 15 years. He spent those years traveling from India to New York and beyond with a well-known Indian guru named Muktananda. This guru claimed to be celibate, but Michael saw things that led him to believe otherwise, and others would eventually accuse the guru of abusing young women in the cult. But I'm, I'm noticing another thing, that other people who have leadership position in this cult are sexually promiscuous. Even though Michael hadn't been raised to believe in God or have a moral foundation rooted in faith, he sensed that the guru and his followers were doing something wrong, and it offended him. I discovered I had a conscience. How about that? (laughs) My colleagues um, had no conscience at all. They repeated the quote-unquote mantra, he's God, he can do anything he wants. So they had no problem with this at all. He didn't know it at the time. But Michael now believes God was waking up his conscience and leading him out of the cult. Not my doing. I had been living in a world that my, you know, I would I would describe it as um, a world where good is bad and bad is good. You know, backwards. A complete illusion. Delusion. At the same time Michael was starting to think about walking away from the cult, a woman came into his life and they ended up getting married. Now, at this particular time in my life, I was going out of the cult. Uh, The person that I married, I didn't know this, but I discovered this. She was coming 
into the cult. Michael and his wife had a baby boy together in the early 1980s, and by then, Michael was ready to kiss the cult goodbye. When the guru died, Michael saw his opportunity to finally part ways for good. And from my perspective, I I did something very foolish. I agreed to going back to India uh, to his funeral. And we had a, um, a son who was a year and a half of age. And we took him. So the three of us went to India to the funeral. And for me, this was tying a bow and I still need bow on the package and sending it off. This was the, this was the culmination. But Michael's wife wasn't ready to leave the cult. And so now the plot thickens. Um, I had a job and it was time for me to go back to work. Uh, We were there for about a month and uh, my wife said, well, I'd like to stay for a while. So um, why don't you go ahead and in a month or so, uh, you know, I've, I've got the airline tickets, and uh, we'll come back. Well, that was the end of my marriage. She did not return. What followed was a long and painful divorce. And the lessons learned on my part is sin has consequences. <laughs> if I ever had any doubt about that, I learned otherwise. Sin has consequences. So, uh, you know, we're all continuing to live. My my son is now 40 years old. Michael and his son don't currently have a relationship. There's hope. There's hope. I don't give up hope. Um, but I also have to face the reality that this was, um, the whole situation was born in a satanic cult. When he finally broke ties with the cult, Michael was in his late 30s. I, I was adrift. Um, totally lost, um, lost my family, lost my faith, religion, whatever you want to call it. My, uh, uh, what I believed was, was, uh, shattered. I became a skeptic and, uh, I was reading skeptic literature, um, which, which uh, perceives of all religion as false. Went through a period of going to their conferences and uh, and saying, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, I experienced that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, this is uh, this is an incredible fraud. The deity that that we we were worshiping, that I was worshiping, is the deceiver, the dark one, and the Lord of Yoga." It would take Michael almost 20 more years to discover who God really is. Until then, he became an agnostic, but he still dabbled in his old religion from time to time. In fact, that's what he was doing when he had an encounter that changed everything. Why I love to tell this story. And by the way, I think this is what he wants us to do. He wants us to tell our story. Um... Anyway, I'm, um, I'm now up in Schenectady, New York. That was the early 2000s, and Micah was working in public relations in Schenectady. And I opened my office up there. I found an office building, uh, rented a, a little office, and hired an assistant, a young woman who I was training to become um, an assistant to a, a PR 
consultant. That young woman was a Christian, and she actively shared her faith with Michael. This assistant of mine had been inviting me to come to church and meet Jesus. And she and I are having this conversation. It goes something like, Michael, you need to come and meet Jesus. My life has changed. you got to meet these wonderful people. Um, on and on. And I'm saying to her, I'll never forget this. I said to her, Mary, her name was Mary. Mary, this sounds so good. It sounds a little bit too good to be true. Have you ever considered that you may be in a cult? That was our conversation. Now, we mentioned that Michael was still dabbling in his old ways, nearly 20 years after leaving the cult. Well, one night in New York, he was alone on his bed meditating. He was attempting to have an out-of-body experience, a satanic practice where he would try to leave his body, go up to the ceiling, and look down at himself. And this is occult. As he was attempting this out-of-body experience, Michael had an encounter he was not expecting. And I hear a voice. And the voice says to me, you better get right with me. So I start meditating on that. What does get right with me mean? And who is this? I'm trying to figure out who this might be that I should I should do what I've been commanded to do. I took this as a command, a commandment. Get right with me. Okay. So I'm meditating probably, I don't know, could have been an hour, could have been a half hour. I'm just deeply, deeply, deeply thinking about this. And I hear the voice again, and he says, follow my son. And I knew who it was. And I thought, oh, I got to be a Christian. You got to be kidding. Literally, that's what I, that was my response. Michael didn't know much about the Christian faith, but he had heard of God's Son. I'm lying there trying to figure out which, which, who might, who this might be who's speaking to me. And I never, never thought about the Bible, never thought about Christian faith. I was going through my Rolodex of cult leaders. That's what I knew about religion. So now he says, follow my son. And... I know who it was. There's only one. <laughs> Praise God. There's only one. So I thought, okay, I need to be a Christian now. And God had already placed a Christian in Michael's life, his young assistant, Mary. The next morning, when I, after I had that experience, I called Mary on the phone and I said, Mary, I'm coming to your church. And she said, oh, great. That's awesome. Why? Why now? I said, well, I'll explain that when I get there. It's a long story. Um, And she said, why don't you come uh, tomorrow? I'm going to get baptized. That was on a Saturday. She was getting baptized. I said, okay, I'll come. I was up for whatever a Christian said to me. Now, I'm like, I got to be a Christian. This, This was, you know, talk about answer to prayer. My whole life, I've been wanting this to happen. And one night I get the experience that millions upon multiple millions of meditators have desired. 
I still didn't know who he was. I had no clue. All I knew was that I needed to follow Jesus. That Saturday, Michael watched Mary get baptized. On Sunday, he went to her church. The pastor opened up the Bible, and Michael was all ears. Um, he basically, you know, preaches a Bible study. And, oh, man, I just loved it. I, I, it was incredible. I'm hearing from him about having a relationship with God. I had a relationship with a demon. I didn't know that at the time. And I didn't know that now I'm sitting in church, but I'm, I'm thinking, wow, that's what he's talking about. I want to know more about this. That was a pivotal moment for Michael's faith. I loved the Bible. I was now reading the Bible four or five hours a day. Loved Bible study. Couldn't get enough of it. When's the Bible study? I'll be there. But Michael was bothered by something. He noticed that Christian worship often lacked the passion and zeal that he had seen in the Hindu cult. I was suddenly thrust into a body that we call the Christian body of believers and never encountered, let me back up, rarely encountered anyone that even came close to worshiping Jesus Christ like we worshiped the guru. They put us to shame. With all of this in mind, Michael set out to determine whether his church was just another cult. You know, it may be a cult. It may be deception. They may These people may be totally deluded by this guy. Um, yeah, but I love the Bible. Everything I'm... What I'm learning over here in this church, I'm, um, it's, you know, I see, it, I see it in the Bible. The Bible is like coming alive. I can't get enough uh, reading it. It's the most thrilling thing I've ever read. It's uh, an adventure story. It's a novel. It's a history story. It's, a, it's a, uh, uh, an encyclopedia. It's all of this stuff, just fabulous. There was one account in particular that eventually led Michael to the truth. One was Jesus speaking to his disciples and saying to them, in the world, they rule over you and you do what they tell you to do. But it is not like that with me. I listen to the Father and I tell you what the Father tells me. I see where, now I'm paraphrasing, this is in a, in a couple of different places in the Gospels. He tells us he sees where the Father is working, and he goes there and he works. And this is this now. When I came across this, I I said to myself, I don't think this is a cult because you don't behave like this in a cult. You never tell other people what the cult leader is up to. The cult leader never tells people what he's really up to. He deceives the people. And the followers of the cult leader do not get the same information uh, from the leader. They get what the leader wants them to know. I'm an expert on this. I was in a cult for 15 years, and then I studied cult mind control. 
In addition to being impressed by Jesus' openness and honesty, Micah was also struck by the way the Apostle Paul pointed people to God. And Paul is just all over this. If, if you understand a cult and how a cult works, Paul, there's several references where he talks about who we are to worship and that Jesus is always pointing to the Father. And I thought, oh, hallelujah, there it is. I think I can join. (laughs) Being part of the church hasn't always been easy for Michael. He's quick to spot practices that remind him of his Hindu cult background. But rather than reject the church, Michael actively takes part in it. And he tries to have meaningful conversations with his brothers and sisters in Christ. I've been known to come into churches and say, why are these chairs all arranged to that pulpit up there, that podium. Why don't we sit in a circle? Above all else, Michael wants to point people to the one true God. I just praise him for his grace and his mercy. And uh, my message today is repent and turn back to him. And if this story and this journey might touch a heart. Someone might relate to this because they might be into something that's been mentioned. I pray that that it's his word goes forward because his word going forth does not go forth void. If Michael Austin's story has resonated with you and you want to learn more about a relationship with Jesus Christ, we can help. Visit us at findpeacewithgod.net. That's findpeacewithgod.net. That website explains the Christian faith in simple terms, and it gives you the option to chat with one of our coaches 24-7. In just a minute, you're going to hear Michael's thoughts on different Christian denominations. You're listening to GPS, God, People, Stories, a podcast production of the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. One night we were leaving India, and at the Delhi airport it was jammed with American students. They were lying all over the place, university students, and I said, who are these people? Billy Graham. They said there are three 747s coming to pick them up. They've been here studying at the feet of some guru, and they're going back disillusioned. Young people searching for something, anything to find peace and happiness in a world that seems to have gone mad and insane. There's something deeper in your life that you need. And one of the things that you need is the forgiveness of sin because all of us have sinned against God. And Jesus came to save us from that condemnation and from the penalty of that sin. There's no permanent peace that you can ever find. You'll never find it anywhere except in Jesus Christ. You can learn more about the peace that Jesus Christ offers by visiting our website, findpeacewithgod.net. You're listening to the second part of Michael Austin's dramatic journey from a Hindu cult to the Christian faith. 
Today, Michael is in his 70s. He's semi-retired and living in Asheville, North Carolina. He founded a public relations ministry called Publish the Good News. It helps churches and Christian organizations spread the word about Jesus. Michael enjoys meeting with believers from many different Christian denominations. I meet with Messianic Jews, just like I meet with uh, evangelical Christians and other Christians, Anabaptist Christians. The core thing in all of this is Jesus and the gospel. We all share the gospel. After the gospel, we get all kinds of confused about all kinds of stuff. But somebody once in a Bible study told me about the bullseye in the target. That bullseye right there is where we all need to live. Outside of that, we've got lots of opinions and we've got lots of um, stuff that we think is important. As long as we agree on the bullseye. We want to thank Michael Austin for taking the time to share his story with us. This concludes our summer series, In Search of Truth. Now, GPS is going on a break for now, but we will be back in the fall with a new series. And we want to hear from you. What did you think of this series? And what would you like to listen to next? Send your ideas to gps at billygram.org. That's gps at billygram.org. I'm Phil Fleischman. Thank you for listening to GPS. God, People, Stories. It's an outreach of the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. Always good news. This is the day.